This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Chris Herring was kind enough to join us talking about the Sacramento Kings. And uh, Chris, you were talking during the commercial break about the uh, incredible atmosphere that you were able to experience when you were out here uh, to see the Sacramento Kings. And I know you put the tweet up. You do got to get out here for a playoff game, man, because it, 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 it was an atmosphere last night. I'll do you one better. If you can get out here for the first playoff game, I would be willing to bet all of Kenny's money oh, oh. that that is that it's that's not, that's an yours. environment that you've never been in before. Like that first playoff game after 16 years is going to be something. I I wouldn't doubt that you're wrong. I mean, it, it, it'll be interesting. Just uh, I mean, they played the Knicks last night. I I covered the Knicks uh, from 2012 to 2016. So my first year on the beat was. Uh, a year where they had been um they hadn't won a playoff series at that point for i think 12 years mm-hmm. uh and they were the two seed so it was it wasn't completely the same as this but there were some similarities as far as just like nobody expecting them to to be as good as they were that year and the fact that they all of a sudden it's like if enough things played out a certain way could they make a run at a title mm-hmm. and uh you know either way it, you know whether it's New York. I, I had I might have seen a tweet from yesterday. There were Knicks fans that were like getting angry with me that I was saying how fun Sacramento's environment is. But I, I think the the commonality between the two is just that uh, it's overdue for certain franchises to have this experience. And I think certainly Sacramento, when you you have the longest drought in NBA history, it's overdue. The fans get hungrier and, and thirstier for that sort of success and. Uh, it's it's well deserved, and I'm I'm really happy for the Sacramento fans, uh, just like I was happy for the Knicks fans, and you know two years ago when they made it, and we'll be happy for them this year, uh, when it'll be 50 years for them since they won their last title. Man, first of all, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell my man Chris go blue. You know what it is. I'm not an alum, but I'm a supporter from a long ways away. Go blue. You know what I mean? Go blue. We always out here, Damien. We out here. What you want to say? Care. That guy over there, man. He's. He liked that team in Ohio. I can't help him. I tried to help him. But he I can't help he, him with that either. He's not, he not listening to me, but it's it's neither here nor there. Um, the, the the story you did on the Kings, I thought it was a great story, by the way. It really painted the picture of what's going on here, you know, with you talking to some of the season ticket holders and them kind of talking to you about how ugly it got last year fan-wise, right? Like the this is a very supportive fan base obviously like they love the kings or whatever last year was the first year i can remember people like really upset and just kind of done with it all they're like i can't do this no more and to see this turn around 
you know, in, in one year, at least from that moment to, to where we are now. Um, man, I thought you painted a picture and talked to the, to the right people that kind of showed like where this franchise was in relation to their fan base and how it's got everybody back on board now. Yeah, I just think it was it was bad timing when you consider just like the number of things that even for this franchise went wrong. Um, you know, the, obviously the Lucas situation is one of those things where, uh, you know, <laughs> you, you can't afford to draft someone that's not even going to be on your roster four years later when you're looking at someone that could be an all-time great in the same conference that you don't take. Um so there's that aspect of it. And then you, you basically, from that point on, you get right into the teeth of the pandemic. You go a couple of years without having your fans in the seats at all. And then when they come back, you come out of it and, you know, people are going to want to see progress. You have, you have people that are trying to decide whether to put up thousands of dollars a year for a team that hasn't been to the playoffs in a decade and a half. So it was interesting to talk to some of those people. I thought it was really interesting to talk to one of the fans I I spoke to um, who was someone that even after all that decided to buy season tickets had wanted to do it for a long time, mm-hmm. but like he'd finally gotten a place financially where he could make it work and then convinces his wife to kind of go along for the ride. They get two season tickets and last year was the year they did it. And mm-hmm. it's just a frustrating year. It's the year that breaks the record for the, the playoff drought. It's a year in which they trade maybe the, you know, the player that most fans are probably most excited about. And obviously now looking at it, people probably feel differently about how that trade looked. Obviously, the national media probably influenced the way some people felt about it, how strongly they felt about it. Kind of that thought that just like, yo, why can't we have nice things (laughs) is probably how a lot of the last decade and a half has had to feel. Um, And not even just that, like, why do the nice things sometimes have to be taken away uh, or threatened to be taken away, whether it's the sale of the team or the team moving if the team is sold or what have you. So it it has been a hard luck franchise. It's been a franchise that sometimes, depending on who's been running it, gets in its own way a lot of the time and makes mistakes. Uh, It's not different than a lot of other franchises in that way. So that's why, again, I'm happy for the fan base just because uh, it's been a long time coming. It's been a weird year in the sense that there's so much parity and the NBA, but uh, one of the things that's lost when there's a lot of parity, I know the league loves to just have dominant teams uh, kind of run the show in the NBA because it's really good for ratings generally for as much as people swear that they hate dynasties. Uh, but when you get stories like these where teams that have had down times for so long, um, it's been really, really cool to watch mm-hmm. the Kings. And I, I felt like I, I was not begging, but uh, on my editors to let me come out as early as November, just because you can see that there was something different about this team, even if they weren't going to be a two seed, that they're going to be really, really fun and really, really different than the way that other teams play. Uh, if for whatever reason you haven't read Chris's article on SI yet um, about the Sacramento Kings, we strongly encourage you to to go see it. It's all over our Twitter accounts this morning. It's been all over uh, most of uh, Kings Twitter's uh, timeline over the course of the last couple of days. If for some reason you've been putting it off, please go read it. It's 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 well worth your time. You did say something there. I'm I'm curious your 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 perspective on. You talked about how fun this team is. What is your thought on this Kings offense? I mean, watching it, and I was saying some of this to you guys off the air. Um, that because of the time that I spent covering the Knicks at the Wall Street Journal for about four or five years. Um, I follow a lot of their fans on Twitter. A, a lot of them follow me. It's probably half my my following on social media. Um, 
you know, I've written a book about their '90s teams um, within the last year, year and a half, which um, I believe is right over your shoulder, right? Blood, Blood in the Garden. Garden. That's right over. Yeah, your yeah, shoulder. yeah. It's called Blood in the Garden. Um, but one one of the reasons I've always made a point to follow fans is to make a point to understand how do they feel, like what are they feeling in real time, what do they feel when you know a, a Luca uh, Marvin Bagley situation happens for them to watch the way that they freaked out when they drafted Kristaps Porzingis at a time where you know they're just looking at it and they're thinking Frederick Weiss and they're freaking out about that to see it in real time. Um, so it was really interesting to you know most fan bases don't watch other teams and even if they get an opportunity to it's the once or twice a year that they play against the other team uh the kings don't play on national tv so unless a fan has league pass they're not going to see the kings basically because of it it was really eye-opening to watch i've, I've watched the kings enough this year i've I probably watched them more than anybody else just because of how entertaining they're it was eye-opening to watch knicks fans in real time be like whoa this King's offense is like, how do you stop this? Why is Sabonis just getting whatever he wants? And it is a spacing thing. It's a pace thing. It's a screening thing. That offense is legit. It's, uh, I mean, it's funny because it's not like they're doing stuff totally differently than other teams do. They're, they're still more or less looking for stuff at the rim and they're looking for threes, but it's just the personnel that they have to do it. It's the fact that they use handoffs the way they do with Sabonis it's you know that with it, it would be like having a quarterback that can go over the top but also having like a speedster of a running back that when you go shotgun you just run the ball right up the gut and you've been playing the pass mm -hmm. so you've got eight back in coverage and then you run the ball and it's like well what do you do mm -hmm. at that point that's how it must feel to defend this defense because you're so spread out all the time trying to contain murray trying to contain herder who's going to pull up from 30 um, and it's going to have 20 point quarters. And then you've got Fox that just can kind of burrow through any hole um, or dribble past anybody like we saw last night. So um, and that doesn't even take into account Sabonis. It doesn't take into account Harrison Barnes and what he can do. Mm. Uh, it's just a really fun, dynamic offense. And uh, I don't think anybody saw them being this successful, but they leaned in a lot to the handoff stuff. Even Keegan Murray. Keegan Murray did not play in an offense that made use of handoffs in college. And this has been an education for him, but talking to him for the story, I didn't even quote him in it, but uh, he was just talking about how much fun it is to play in this offense and how obviously well he fits in it. I think he has the highest effective field goal percentage in the league of anybody that uh, has two or two and a half handoffs a game or whatever it is for him. Uh, more than Steph Curry, more than Herter, who was leading the league for a while. Uh, for someone that did not play that scheme in college to be at the top of the leaderboard and that as a rookie who's just playing with this group for the first time is, is really intriguing and makes this team really fun to watch on offense. But obviously there are two sides to the ball ball game. So there is that part of it too. And, and one thing I'm so like happy the way you explained it, cause you explained why it's fun for a fan, but what Kenny and I've been talking about for like the last month here at this point is yeah, it might be fun for a fan, but this offense is dangerous. That's what this offense truly is. It's dangerous and it's going to beat you. We, we, we read through all of these different clips of them talking about, oh, they got to get better defensively, got to get better defensively. We're 65 games into the season, 66. They're not getting better defensively. Their offense no. is going to beat you. <laughs> yeah. That's what it comes down to. The yeah. offense is going to beat you. Yeah. And, I, and, and Chris, I was uh, watching that game, and I was watching with Damian last night, and I, I looked and I said, poor Julius Randle. <laughs> 
this guy, they had Julius Randle running all over the place, chasing Kevin Herter on dribble handoffs. And, you know, he was working his little butt off, you know what I mean? Like, he was putting in the effort. That's not a knock on him. But I know he probably is like, you know, I, this isn't what I normally do on the defensive end is chase these I guards I thought Mitchell around. Robinson was going to throw up. <laughs> yeah, Mitchell <laughs> Robinson was just <laughs> gassed. And he was hunched <laughs> over on the sideline. I was like, oh, God. Yeah, and it, it kind of spoke to the stress that this offense seems to put on on teams, um, especially if you're not, like, used to seeing them. Like, the Knicks seen them one time before. Fox didn't play. But if you're not used to it, I mean, it, it could take a while to get used to and trying to figure some things out. Yeah, and, and I mean, honestly, it's kind of, I would say, from, like, the end of that Jordan era to uh, now, for the most part, generally speaking, when you've talked about up-tempo teams – They've been teams from the West. Now, sometimes it's been because you've got a Denver that pre-Jokic era, they had an incentive to run because they've got the altitude and they just can wear you out mm-hmm. running up and down because they're kind of used to it and the Eastern Conference teams aren't. They only play there once a year. And and to that point, the Knicks, I want to say up until maybe last year or the year before that, I think they just recently broke that stretch of uh, – They'd had so many consecutive losses in Utah for like 15 years. I want to say they hadn't beaten Denver in Denver up until a couple of years ago. Uh, so obviously, you know, the, the the quality of those teams has, has been more consistent than what has been in Sacramento. Or maybe it's been consistent in Sacramento over the years, but not in the, in the, in a positive sense. So that streak was not alive that way, but I've watched them have their struggles against Sacramento at times too, just because, they play at a certain pace, and it's different than an Eastern Conference pace. It's uh, it's not always grinded out in the Eastern mm-hmm. Conference. I'm sorry, it's not always grinded out in the Western Conference. And so um, it's a different – it's a more wide-open game, and Sacramento is as wide open as it gets. So it, it, it will be interesting because of that from the standpoint of they've got to get better on defense, they've got to get better on defense. You can win a lot of regular season games that way. I'm, I'm quite curious to see who they draw in the first round and – what that looks like because I you know I, I think that the, the defensive concerns are are fair to have because it we're not used to seeing teams that give up 175 points in a game uh win a playoff series let's just be honest it you know it, it it's it's worth watching and worth wondering about because we're not used to seeing teams give up six offensive rebounds or whatever it was on that possession yesterday yeah. uh, you know it's, it's 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 a team that has flaws it's very clear that they have flaws but they also have such an explosive offense to where if they won a round, maybe even two, depending on who they drew in the second round, like it wouldn't be the craziest thing. But also, regardless of whether you think their defense needs work or not, I think most people do, it's not common to watch a team potentially lock down a number two seed and not expect them to win a round or two. So that's what's really kind of strange about the situation too, is that people have just kind of assumed that they're going to fall out of one of those spots, but like, who's going to take them out of that spot at this, mm. at this point, job is going to miss more time in Memphis, maybe even beyond these four games that they've talked about. Uh, Phoenix isn't going to get Durant back for a few weeks. Mm. Uh, the warriors are kind of a mystery still, just as far as their inability to win on the road. Um, there's a lot going on, man. Like it's it, it's very feasible that the Kings, even with a tougher rec, uh, tougher uh, schedule in the second half of the year, it's it's very plausible that they could finish in the top two or three. And uh, we we keep hearing about how teams would love to draw them, 
because of the inexperience and because of the lack of defense. But it, you know, I, I still don't think anybody's like looking forward to playing against that offense. I really don't. Chris, you mentioned uh, the trade, the the Tyrese Halliburton Demonte Sabonis trade last year, and then you mentioned Jokic a minute ago. Is is Domas underappreciated? Someone who covers yes. the entire league, do you think he's underappreciated? Yes, yes. And it, honestly, even what I was just saying a few minutes ago about the way that the Knicks fans that I follow were like, what? Like, someone please do something to stop Sabonis. And it's like, <laughs> this is kind of what he does. And I think he's a good player anyway. But I think he, in this offense, he's great because um, there's just so much space for him. And it's kind of – he gets himself into trouble a little bit sometimes because he – I get the impression I should have asked him directly or Mike Brown directly. Like, is your MO just to like kind of barrel into guys because there's only generally going to be one guy back there to stop you. Mm -hmm. And at that point you just kind of trust your one-on-one ability with your back to the basket. He just bumps guys until they're underneath the basket and they can't (laughs) stop him anymore. But the spacing in their offense is such to where he has the ability to do that. Mostly every play. Uh, he gets a lot of offensive fouls because but he gets in foul trouble damn near every game I watch, uh, which for this team is a real problem uh, because there just isn't a lot of depth uh, to it. But he, I mean, it's, it's, it's that aspect. It's the fact that he is as physical as he is with these handoffs and with his screens. It's the fact that he is a great passer, um, a great passer. And, you know, he he leads the league in rebounds. He leads the league in double doubles. Like you can't do those things without being in the all NBA conversation, um, particularly for a team that is the second seed right now. Um, and even for the knocks on defense, which they're, they're fair. Uh, he's not a perfect defender. He he's far from that. Um, they are pretty deficient in, in defending the rim. But looking at his uh, advanced numbers with that, they're better with him on the court defensively, one. And two, uh, he holds shooters under their averages um, in terms of their shoot- average shooting percentage when they're within proximity of the rim and he's defending it. So he is underappreciated. I mean, I I was thinking last night as I was watching the game, on some level, like, do you kind of have to slot him in as your third team center for all NBA. I think it'll be an interesting conversation if Anthony Davis is healthy the rest of the year and gets the Lakers into the plan without LeBron really getting much of a chance to come back here from this latest injury. It'll be interesting because Anthony Davis has been putting up MVP level numbers. He's been healthy this year. So it'll be, I'm always kind of on the fence about that. Someone that is healthy for the most part, or I know Sabonis has not been healthy. He's had the thumb all year but like if someone plays every night and they're really 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 good borderline great versus someone that is great and plays 25 20 less games whatever that is how do you rate that some people feel like it should just be the best player for the year and that almost it should be like a yearbook of who the three best players at every position were the three best centers were that season uh, I'll probably give thought to it, but I mean, if if you're just looking at availability and how well someone's performed within that availability, he's been the third best center in the league this year. I don't I don't think it's even much up for debate at that point. Um, so he's he's underappreciated by the league. Uh, I think uh, I think the Kings are as, as a whole. I, I was stunned that De'Aaron Fox didn't make the All Star team. 
uh, in the initial go round before he was an injury replacement, particularly with the, the clutch scoring, particularly with just the team at the time being in third place. Like, you know, it, it, it was a little bit shocking to me, but, uh, but I, I get it. And again, it doesn't help the case for these guys when they're not on national TV at all. Mm. And, um, you know, I, I hope that even if they flame out in the first round, I hope very much that they get a lot of games next year just because they're entertaining to watch. They're fun to watch. They're, they obviously have been a good team this year. Um, they've got some fun personalities. Their coach speaks candidly, mm-hmm. win or lose, in the middle of the game, after the game, after a win that was seen by a lot of people in the country. So, um, you know, I, I hope we get to see more of them. I, I think it'll help with the exposure for all-star stuff too and uh, voting stuff, frankly, as well. You're watching this team on Christmas next year, Chris. I'm telling you that. Why are you watching the Kings on Christmas next year? A little gumbo in the Kings on Christmas Day. They're going to have to win. They're they're going to. I would be stunned if that happens. If they don't win at least around maybe two. Uh, I'd love to see it. I would love to see it. I would love to see more matchups that are stylistic. That matchup last night was really fun, and uh, you know, uh, there's a narrative there just between one, two of the hottest teams in the NBA two teams that have kind of been down the longest that when they're good and when they're humming that their fan bases are into it, it makes the league better. Uh, I would prefer that to them trying to rehash this Trey young thing from two years ago that like <laughs> Knicks fans care about them. Okay. Like let's wait until the, the Hawks are like legitimately good repeatedly. And you know, also that series wasn't that close. Like <laughs> his other thing, that series wasn't good. So you know, I feel like we're so desperate for rivalries. I think we very much have something real with the Grizzlies and the Warriors disliking each other. I think we have the the Celtics and the Bucks that uh, had their series last year. I think is deserving to kind of tap into that. But if we don't have any other better ones for now, other than player rivalries, uh, whether it's Chris Paul and Steph or uh, LeBron and KD, who have not played against each other in a long time, by the way, uh, we might as well just lean into matchups that'll be fun or that could be fun. I think they're trying to lean into Jokic and Embiid now at this point. But um, you know, just give me good team matchups. I don't, I don't really need the other ones that they're just trying to make fetch happen with certain matchups that just aren't good. Quite frankly, yeah, get the Mavs out of here. Yeah, they, you could probably get Memphis out of here too, to be honest with you. But I don't, they ain't gonna get them both out of there. So take we're we're gonna have to see if a certain somebody makes makes his way back. If if, if he's not gonna be there, I guarantee you that the NBA as a whole would lose interest in that market very fast mm. uh, as far as showing them on TV if he's not going to be playing. Mm. So Great stuff, Chris. We can't thank you enough for joining us. We can't thank you enough uh, for that article, man, and we hope to see you come playoff time, man. Again, we appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, guys. You guys be well. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. 
Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 